0: BOOK 1 CHAPTER 22 OF THE MYSTICAL CITY OF GOD, VOLUME 3, BY THE VENERABLE SISTER MARY OF JESUS, OF AGREDA. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. BOOK 1 CHAPTER 22 Most Holy Mary offers her only begotten Son, for the redemption of the human race, to the Eternal Father. In return for this sacrifice, he grants her a clear vision of the divinity, She takes leave of her son as he departs for the desert. The love of our great queen and lady for her divine son must always remain the standard by which we must measure, as well her actions as all her emotions, either of joy or sorrow during her earthly life. But we cannot measure the greatness of her love itself, nor can the holy angels measure it, except by the love which they see in God, by the intuitive vision. All that can ever be expressed by our inadequate words, similes, and analogies is but the least portion of what this heavenly furnace of love really contained. For she loved Jesus as the Son of the Eternal Father, equal to him in essence and in all the divine attributes and perfections. She loved him as her own natural son, son to her, in as far as he was man, formed of her own flesh and blood. She loved him because as man he was the saint of saints and the meritorious cause of all other holiness. Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 He was the most beautiful among the sons of men. Psalm 44 verse 3 He was the most dutiful son of his mother, her most magnificent benefactor, since it was he that by his sonship had raised her to the highest dignity possible among creatures. He had exalted her among all, and above all, by the treasures of his divinity, and by conferring upon her the dominion over all creation together, with favors, blessings, and graces, such as were never to be conferred upon any other being." These motives and foundations of her love were established and, as it were, all comprehended in the wisdom of the Heavenly Lady, together with many others, which only her exalted knowledge could appreciate. In her heart there was no hindrance of love, since it was the most innocent and pure. She was not ungrateful, because her profoundest humility urged her to a most faithful correspondence. She was not remiss, Because in her the most abundant grace wrought with all its efficacy she was not slow or careless since she was filled with most zealous and diligent fervor not forgetful since her most faithful memory was constantly fixed upon the blessings received and upon the reasons and the precepts of deepest love she moved in the sphere of the divine love itself since she remained in his visible presence and attended the school of divine love of her son copying his works and his doings in his very company. Nothing was wanting to this peerless one among lovers, for entertaining love without limitation of measure or manner. This most beautiful moon, then, being at its fullness, and looking into this sun of justice, just as it had risen like a divine aurora from height to height, and reached the noontide splendor of the most clear light of grace, this moon, Mary detached from all material creatures, and entirely transformed by the light of this sun, having experienced on her part all the effects of his reciprocal love, favors and gifts, in the height of her blessedness, at a time when the loss of all these blessings in her son made it most arduous, heard the voice of the Eternal Father, calling her as he once called upon her prototype, Abraham, and demanding the deposit of all her love and hope, her beloved Isaac. Genesis chapter twenty two verse one. The most prudent mother was not unaware that the time of her sacrifice was approaching, for her sweetest son had already entered the thirtieth year of his life, and the time and place for satisfying the debt he had assumed was at hand. But in the full possession of the treasure which represented all her happiness, Mary was still considering its loss as far off, not having as yet had its experience. The hour, therefore, drawing near, she was wrapped in a most exalted vision and felt that she was being called and placed in the presence of the throne of the Most Blessed Trinity. From it issued a voice of wonderful power, saying to her, "Mary, my daughter and spouse, offer to me thy only begotten Son in sacrifice." By the living power of these words came to her the light and intelligence of the Almighty's will, and in it. The Most Blessed Mother understood the decree of the redemption of man through the passion and death of her Most Holy Son, together with all that from now on would happen in the preaching and public life of the Savior. As this knowledge was renewed and perfected in her, she felt her soul overpowered by sentiments of subjection, humility, love of God and man, compassion and tenderest sorrow for all that her son was to suffer." But with an undismayed and magnanimous heart she gave answer to the Most High. Eternal King, and omnipotent God, of infinite wisdom and goodness, all that has been outside of thee, exists solely for thy mercy and greatness, and thou art undiminished Lord of all. How then dost thou command me, an insignificant wormlet of the earth, to sacrifice and deliver over to thy will the Son, whom thy condescension has given me? He is thine eternal Father, since from all eternity before the morning star thou hast engendered him. Psalm 109, verse 3 And thou begettest him, and shalt beget him through all the eternities, and if I have clothed him in the form of servant. Letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 7 in my womb, and from my own blood, and if I nourished his humanity at my breast, and ministered to it as a mother. This most holy humanity is also thy property, and so am I, since I have received from thee all that I am, and that I could give him. What then can I offer to thee that is not more thine than mine? I confess, most High King, that thy magnificence and beneficence are so liberal, in heaping upon thy creatures, thy infinite treasures, that in order to bind thyself to them, thou wishest to receive from them, as a free gift, even thy only begotten Son, him whom thou begettest, from thy own substance, and from the light of thy divinity. With him came to me all blessings together, and from his hands I received immense gifts and graces. WISDOM CHAPTER 7 VERSE 11 He is the virtue of my virtue, the substance of my spirit, life of my soul, and soul of my life, the sustenance of all my joy of living. It would be a sweet sacrifice, indeed, to yield him up to thee, who alone knowest his value, but to yield him for the satisfaction of thy justice, into the hands of his cruel enemies, at the cost of his life, more precious than all the works of creation. This, indeed, Most High Lord, is a great sacrifice which thou askest of his mother. However, let not my will but thine be done. Let the freedom of the human race be thus bought. Let thy justice and equity be satisfied. Let thy infinite love become manifest. Let thy name be known and magnified before all creatures. I deliver him over into thy hands before all creatures. I deliver over into thy hands, my beloved Isaac, that he may be truly sacrificed. I offer my son the fruit of my womb, in order that, according to the unchangeable decree of thy will, he may pay the debt contracted not by his fault, but by the children of Adam, and in order that in his death he may fulfill all that thy holy prophets, inspired by thee, have written and foretold. This sacrifice, with all that pertain to it, was the greatest and the most acceptable that ever had been made to the eternal father since the creation of the world, or will be made to the end outside of that made by his own son, the redeemer. And hers was most intimately connected with and like to that which he offered. If the greatest charity consists in offering one's own life for the beloved, without a doubt. Most Holy Mary far surpassed this highest degree of love toward men, as she loved her son much more than her own life. For in order to preserve the life of her son, she would have given the lives of all men, if she had possessed them, yea, and countless more. Among men there is no measure by which to estimate the love of this heavenly lady, and it can be estimated only by the love of the Eternal Father for his son. As Christ says to Nicodemus, John chapter 15 verse 13 So God loved the world, that he gave his only Son, in order that none of those who believed in him might perish. So this might also be said in its degree of the love of the mother of mercy, and in the same way do we owe to her proportionately our salvation. For she also loved us so much, that she gave her only son for our salvation, and if she had not given it in this manner, when it was asked of her by the Eternal Father on this occasion, the salvation of men could not have been executed by this same decree, since this decree was to be fulfilled on condition that the mother's will should coincide with that of the Eternal Father, such is the obligation which the children of Adam owe to Most Holy Mary. Having accepted the offering of the Great Lady, it was fitting that the Most Blessed Trinity should reward and immediately pay her by some favor, which would comfort her in her sorrow, and manifest more clearly the will of the Eternal Father and the reasons for his command. Therefore the Heavenly Lady, still wrapped in the same vision, and raised to a more exalted ecstasy, in which she was prepared and enlightened in the manner elsewhere described the divinity manifested itself to her by an intuitive and direct vision. In this vision, by the clear light of the essence of God, she comprehended the inclination of the infinite good, to communicate his fathomless treasures to the rational creatures, by means of the works of the incarnate word, and she saw the glory that would result from these wonders to the name of the Most High. Filled with jubilation of her soul, at the prospect of all these sacramental mysteries, the Heavenly Mother renewed the offering of her divine Son to the Father, and God comforted her with the life-giving bread of heavenly understanding, in order that she might, with invincible fortitude, assist the incarnate Word in the work of the redemption as his co and helper, according to the disposition of infinite wisdom, and according as it really happened afterwards in the rest of her life. Then most holy Mary issued forth from this exalted rapture, in the description of which I will not further detain myself, for it was accompanied by the same circumstances as the other intuitive visions already mentioned. But by its effects and the strength imparted through it, she now prepared to separate from her divine son, who had already resolved to enter upon his fast in the desert in view of receiving his baptism. He therefore called his mother. And speaking to her with the tokens of sweetest love and compassion, he said, My mother, my existence as man, I derive entirely from thy substance and blood, of which I have taken the form of a servant in thy virginal womb. Letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verse 7. Thou also hast nursed me at thy breast, and taken care of me by thy labors and sweat for this reason i account me more thine own and as thy son than any other ever acknowledged or more than any ever will acknowledge himself as the son of his mother give me thy permission and consent toward accomplishing the will of my eternal father already the time has arrived in which i must leave thy sweet intercourse and company and begin the work of the redemption of man the time of rest has come to an end and the hour of suffering for the rescue of the sons of adam has arrived but i wish to perform this work of my father with thy assistance and thou art to be my companion and helper in preparing for my passion and death of the cross Although I must now leave thee alone, my blessing shall remain with thee, and my loving and powerful protection. I shall afterwards return to claim thy assistance and company in my labors, for I am to undergo them in the form of man, which thou hast given me. With these words, while both mother and son were overflowing with abundant tears, the Lord placed his arms around the neck of the most tender mother yet both maintaining a majestic composure, such as befitted these masters in the art of suffering. The heavenly lady fell at the feet of her divine Son, and with ineffable sorrow and reverence answered, My Lord and eternal God, Thou art indeed my Son, and in Thee is fulfilled all the force of love which I have received of Thee. My inmost soul is laid open to the eyes of Thy divine wisdom my life would account but little if i could thereby save thy own or if i could die for thee many times but the will of the eternal father and thy own must be fulfilled and i offer my own will as a sacrifice for this fulfillment Receive it, my son, and as master of all my being, let it be an acceptable offering, and let thy divine protection never be wanting to me. It would be a much greater torment for me not to be allowed to accompany thee in thy labors and in thy cross. May I merit this favor, my son, and I ask of thee as thy true mother in return for the human form which thou hast received of me." The most loving mother also besought him to take along some food from the house, or that he allow it to be sent to where he was to go. But the Savior would not consent to anything of the sort, at the same time enlightening his mother of what was befitting for the occasion. They went together to the door of their poor house, where she again fell at his feet, to ask his blessing and kiss his feet. The divine master gave her his benediction and then began his journey to the jordan issuing forth as the good shepherd to seek his lost sheep and bring them back on his shoulders to the way of eternal life from which they had been decoyed by deceit luke chapter 15 verse 5. whenever redeemer sought saint john in order to be baptized he had already entered his thirtieth year although not much of it had yet passed For he betook himself directly to the banks of the Jordan, where St. John was baptizing. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 And he received baptism at his hands, about thirty days after he had finished the twenty-ninth year of his life, on the same day as is set aside for its celebration by the church. I cannot worthily describe the sorrow of Most Holy Mary at his departure, nor the compassion of the Savior for her. All words and description are far too inadequate to manifest what passed in the heart of the son and mother. As this was to be part of their meritorious sufferings, it was not befitting that the natural effects of their mutual loves should be diminished. God permitted these effects to work in them to their full extent and as far as was compatible with the holiness of both mother and son. Our divine teacher also found no relief in hastening his steps toward the goal of our redemption, to which he was drawn by the force of his immense charity. Nor was the thought of what he intended a lessening of the sense of loss which she sustained at his departure. For all this only made more certain and more copious the torments which he was to undergo. O oh, my dearest love, why does not our ingratitude and hardness of heart allow us to meet thee with a responsive love? Why does not the perfect uselessness of man, and still more his ingratitude, influence thee to desist? Without us, O my eternal goodness and life, thou wilt be just as happy without us as with us, just as infinite in perfections, holiness, and glory. We can add nothing to that which thou hast in thyself, since thou art entirely independent of creatures. Why then, O my love, dost thou so anxiously seek us out, and care for us? Why dost thou, at the cost of thy passion and the cross, purchase our happiness? Without doubt, because thy incomprehensible love and goodness esteems it as thy own, and we alone insist in treating our own happiness as alien to thee and to ourselves. Instruction which the Most Holy Mary, the Queen of Heaven, gave me. My daughter, my I wish that thou ponder and penetrate more and more this mystery of which thou hast written, so fixing it in thy soul, that thou wilt be drawn to imitate my example, at least in some part of it. Consider then, that in the wisdom of the divinity which I had on this occasion, I was made to comprehend the high value which the Lord sets upon the labors, the passion and death of my son, and upon all those who were to imitate and follow Jesus in the way of the cross. Knowing this, I not only offered to deliver my son over to passion and death, but I asked him to make me his companion and partaker of all his sorrows, sufferings and torments, which request the Eternal Father granted. Then in order to begin following in the footsteps of his bitterness, I besought my son and Lord to deprive me of interior delights, and this petition was inspired in me by the Lord himself, because he wished it so and because my own love taught me and urged me thereto this desire for suffering and the wishes of my divine son led me on in the way of suffering he himself because he loved me so tenderly granted me my desires for those whom he loves he chastises and afflicts proverbs chapter 3 verse 12 I, as his mother, was not to be deprived of this blessed distinction of being entirely like unto him, which alone makes this life most estimable. Immediately this will of the Most High, this my earnest petition, began to be fulfilled. I began to feel the want of his delightful caresses, and he began to treat me with greater reserve. That was one of the reasons why he did not call me mother, but woman, at the marriage feast at Cana and at the foot of the cross. JOHN CHAPTER 2 VERSE 4 AND CHAPTER 19 VERSE 26 And also on other occasions, when he abstained from words of tenderness. So far was this from being a sign of diminution of his love, that it was rather an exquisite refinement of his affection to assimilate me to him in the sufferings which he chose for himself as his precious treasure and inheritance. Hence thou wilt understand the ignorance and error of mortals, and how far they drift from the way of light, when, as a rule, nearly all of them strive to avoid labor and suffering, and are frightened by the royal and secure road of mortification and the cross. Full of this deceitful ignorance, they do not only abhor resemblance to Christ's suffering and my own, and deprive themselves of the true and highest blessing of this life. But they make their recovery impossible, since all of them are weak and afflicted by many sins, for which the only remedy is suffering. Sin is committed by base indulgence, and is repugnant to the suffering sorrow, while tribulation earns the pardon of the just judge. By the bitterness of sorrow and affliction, the vapors of sin are allayed. The excesses of the concupiscible and erasable passions are crushed. Pride and haughtiness are humiliated, the flesh is subdued, the inclination to evil, to the sensible and earthly creatures, is repressed, the judgment is cleared, the will is brought within bounds, and its desultory movements at the call of the passions are corrected. And above all, divine love and pity are drawn down upon the afflicted, who embrace suffering with patience, or who seek it to imitate my Most Holy Son. In this science of suffering are renewed all the blessed riches of the creatures. Those that fly from them are insane. Those that know nothing of this science are foolish. Exert thyself then, my dearest daughter, to advance in this knowledge, welcome labors and suffering, and give up ever-desiring human consolations. Remember also that in the spiritual consolations THE DEMON CONCEALS HIS PITFALLS FOR THY RUIN AND DESTRUCTION, FOR THOU SHOULDEST KNOW HIS CONTINUAL ATTEMPTS TO RUIN THE SPIRITUALLY INCLINED. THE PLEASURES OF CONTEMPLATING AND LOOKING UPON THE LORD AND HIS caresses, GREAT OR SMALL, ARE SO ENTICING THAT DELIGHT AND CONSOLATION OVERFLOW IN THE FACULTIES OF THE MIND AND CAUSE SOME SOULS TO ACCUSTOM THEMSELVES TO THE SENSIBLE PLEASURES OF THIS INTERCOURSE. In consequence thereof, they make themselves unfit for other duties, belonging to reasonable life of human creatures. And when it is necessary to attend to them, they are annoyed, lose their interior peace and control, become morose, intractable, full of impatience toward their neighbors, forgetting all humility and charity. When they then perceive their own restlessness and its consequences, they blame all to their exterior occupations in which the Lord has placed them for the exercise of their obedience and charity, failing to see or acknowledge that all their troubles arise from their want of mortification and subjection to providence, and from their attachment to their own selfish inclinations. The demon tries to beguile them by mere desires for quiet and solitude, and the secret communications of the Lord in solitude, for they imagine that in retirement all is good and holy, and that all their trouble arises from inability to follow their pious desires in solitude. In these very faults thou hast fallen sometimes, and from now on I wish that thou guard against them especially. For all things there is a time, as the wise man says. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 5 Both for enjoying delightful embraces and for abstaining therefrom. To seek to prescribe to the Lord a time for his intimate embraces is the error of souls only beginning imperfectly to serve the Lord and to strive after virtue. And similar is the fault of feeling too deeply the want of these consolations. I do not tell thee, therefore, purposely to seek distraction and exterior occupations, nor to find thy pleasure in them. For this is nothing short of dangerous but to obey with peace of mind, whenever thy superiors command, and willingly to leave the delights of the Lord, in order to find him again, in useful labor, and in service of thy neighbor. This thou must prefer to retirement and to private consolations, and on this account thou must not love them too much, for in the anxious cares of a superior thou must learn to believe, hope and love, so much the more deeply. In this manner, thou must find thy Lord at all times, in all places and occupations, as thou hast already experienced. I desire that thou never consider thyself deprived of his sweetest vision and presence, or of his most loving intercourse, or that thou doubt with pusillanimity, whether thou canst find and enjoy God outside thy retirement. All creation is full of his glory." Ecclesiasticus chapter 42, verse 16. And there is no void, and thou livest and movest and hast thy being in God. Enjoy thou thy solitude whenever he does not oblige thee to these exterior occupations. All this thou wilt still more fully understand in the nobility of the love which I require of thee for the imitation of my son and of me. With him thou must rejoice sometimes in his youth sometimes accompany him in his labors for the salvation of men, sometimes retire with him to solitude, sometimes be transfigured with him to a new creature, sometimes embrace with him tribulations and the cross, following up the divine lessons which he taught thereby. In short, I wish thee to understand well, that in me there was a continual desire to imitate, or an actual imitation, of all that was most perfect in his works. In this consisted my greatest perfection and holiness, and therein I wish thee to follow me, so far as thy weak strength, assisted by grace, will allow. For this purpose, thou must first die to all the inclinations of a daughter of Adam, without reserving in thee any choice of desires, any self-constituted judgment as to admitting or rejecting the good. For thou knowest not what is befitting, and thy Lord and spouse, who knows it, and who loves thee more than thou dost thyself will decide all this for thee, if thou resignest thyself entirely to his will. He gives thee a free hand, only in regard to thy love of him, and in thy desire to suffer for him, while in all the rest, thy desires will only make thee drift away from his will and mind. This will surely be the result of following thy own will and inclinations, desires and appetites. Deny and sacrifice them all. Raising thyself above thyself, up to the high and exalted habitation of the Lord and Master. Attend to his interior lights and to the truth of his words of eternal life. John chapter 6 verse 69 And in order that thou mayest follow them, take up the cross. Matthew chapter 16 verse 24 Tread in his footsteps, walk in the odor of his ointments. Canticles chapter 1 verse 3 and be anxious to reach thy Lord, and having obtained possession of him, do not leave him. Canticles chapter 3 verse 4 End of chapter 22